Welcome to the Crypto Science Society podcast, a show dedicated to the study of strange and unusual phenomenon. I am your host, Jason Cordova. With me today is Janae Conrad. Hello, it's been a while. It has been a while. Where have you been? Oh, you know, self-isolating, working from home. That's right. Um, I work in education, so um, a semester is about to stop, so I, I get to kind of Say goodbye to students for a little while. Give them a break from all of this. Plug away through the summer. Yeah, yeah. Plug away, plug away. And speaking of plugs, I have to point out that this episode is brought to you by Monstroco brand bone meal. When you need your <laughs> bone meal ground up, contact Monstroco. For more about Monstroco products and the world's premier paranormal preparedness podcast listen to our friends over at werewolf radar plugs are always so interesting to me <laughs> Aren't they? they gave us one we got to give it back uh so jason um why are we here why are we here well uh it's all about how the dystopia is treating everybody for better or worse we've we've been under a pandemic for the past few months which is Contributed to the delay of the release of a new podcast and uh, hopefully won't delay us or put us back too much more. Um, but surprisingly, you know, I thought we'd have all kinds of time on our hands. And dystopia is a lot of work. I'm going to talk about that for a quick moment because I know we have more like interesting paranormal stuff to go talk about in terms of all this. But I think t like time is weird. I think this is really showing what a construct time is. Mm. And how important, like, physical objects in reality help us to mm -hmm. your time. Because it's like, I feel I'm, work like, I can't separate work from life anymore. It's like, here's my desk. My, yeah. my bed is right next to me. So I think it's just the exhaustion of, like, working online. Your brain's just working harder. So, like, mm -hmm. time is weird and goopy. Yeah. Weird <laughs> and goopy. Not, like, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Uh, exactly yeah it's not quite as linear as we once thought it was that is an interesting that, that would be a totally interesting look into like time as an observation like an observational study of time and it's getting into like quantum realities and stuff like that oh yeah well it'll it'll tie into my parroting quacking all the time about <laughs> psychoreactive phenomenon we'll yeah. get to that later drink yeah, but how about you? What have you been up to in the pandemic? Well, pretty much um, balancing this idea of preparing for a zero-sum game versus 
participating in mutual aid support and sustainability projects. You know, when it first hit, going to the grocery store was pretty much like playing zombie a video game. You know, <laughs> I was ready. I had my bandana and my machete on my hip for, for oh, yeah. few days. And, uh, <laughs> that didn't uh, the, 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 out the, not to be as practical. I'm really grateful to my local grocery store because it's just less intense going there. And so, so it's like, if I have to give up my car eventually, which I think I'm going to prepare for that, right? Right. <laughs> I can walk to it and it's nice, but I interrupted. So go ahead and go. Enjoying gas being cheap. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's not going to last forever. No, not going to last. <laughs> not going to last long. In fact, I think now that things have kind of shifted a little bit, it's coming, coming back kind of coming back up but i wanted to point out this idea of the zero sum game versus mm-hmm. mutual aid support and that's a concept that a lot of people uh, may not be familiar with if you're listening this the zero sum game is basically the idea that there's one winner and everybody else loses right mm-hmm. and with all this hoarding mentality that is influencing hoarding groceries i literally saw at the store people were like pushing stuff off of the shelves into their cart it's like raiding stuff and it was just absolutely insane and of course that does a number of things like it takes resources away from people who actually need it and hoarding it unless it keeps it's gonna go bad and it's gonna get wasted and it's not like there was a a a shortage of supplies Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of um people panicking panic buying and thinking i have to have it all so that I can win and not thinking about how everything else is going to affect other people, right? Yeah, because I had some, like, battling between that, too. It's, like, a bit of, like, the panic. Because I, I was, like, when this happened in, like, January, early February, I was, like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I was, like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And so kind of balancing was, like, but at the same time, I was, like, I couldn't afford to go to the store at the time. You know, mm-hmm. like, especially when we were, like, asked to be, like, locked down. I was, like, well... I'm kind of like out of my paycheck right now. So I kind of have to go to the store. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and it's really interesting just sort of, and the people taking advantage of it too, like buying up all of the hand sanitizer and things like that, selling it really high. It, it really puts the most vulnerable people even in, in a more vulnerable predicament. Absolutely. Right. Right. And so that's kind of why Savannah and I are more focusing on the, you know, mutual aid support, sustainability kind of side of things. We've been working in the garden we made our own hand sanitizer. We made our own soap. We got chickens. We're like, yeah, look at you. I have not been doing that. <laughs> but I also like, I rent, and so it's like I can't really. Um, I do have a, my backdoor neighbor can compost and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like I don't know. That might be a good thing to plug if you know of it. And we probably should have looked this up. If, in terms of mutual aid, food pantries are really needing food. Mm. So if you are hoarding, you may share some of that a little bit, please. <laughs> if you've got it, obviously we're at this point where it, you can see, you know, where things are going. So kind of have a better idea of what you can get a hold of and maybe what you can share. So, yeah. yeah. Because I was uh, reading an article, we're at like a 14%. Or was that just Colorado? That feels really high, but I think that's the number. Don't quote me on that. But I think that the uh, we've had like the worst employment rate since the Great Depression. Oh yeah, um, I think uh, according to the news this morning, like a quarter of the workforce is unemployed. Yeah, and I'm one of them. So. Yeah, and it's interesting too. And I'm going on a tangent. I'll come back and then we'll go to the next thing. But like I was thinking of the Spanish flu and its yep. potential relationship to the Great Depression. Mm, yeah, it's um, an interesting 
point, and I'm sure somebody's looking into that. So let's hope that we don't end up like Uber or worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, Trump versus Hoover? Yeah. <laughs> Should we get more into our disclaimer before we get more into the podcast? Oh, well, all right. Because <laughs> I think it's really important. I know that, like, and we can go back to, like, the dystopian trading new stuff. I just, one of the biggest things, like, whoever is listening, um, since we are talking, probably going to talk about conspiracy cryptids, you know, a lot of really interesting disclosures that have been happening, like a lot of craps going down. Especially with this podcast, I want to be very mindful, like we do take this, it's real, it's happening. As in, to clarify, the coronavirus. The coronavirus. The, pandemic, the global the pandemic. Is real. Is real. It is an actual threat it's that not has not a- been invented. I do think that, like, people are taking advantage of it. We could talk about conspiracies in those realms. And I'm definitely going to talk about some people that are popping up that are taking advantage of the situation. But I really think it's really, really really dangerous to spread misinformation. Absolutely. Right. And that's kind of a big point of why we wanted to get on and talk about it is because there is so much weird nonsense stuff. You know, Uh, I'm kind of a hub. Like, people send their conspiracy theories to me want to get my take on it and my talk on it so like here it is <laughs> yeah i think when it's time to like talk about like the psychological aspect of it but i just like it's real so, so social distancing is, sh- is showing the work staying at home as much as possible mm-hmm. wearing your mask when you're out in public like i know some like i don't walk with it when i'm on a trail but right around people when, yeah. when i see the people it's like when you're driving in the mountains at night and you got your brights on you don't need your brights when you see another person. So just turn those brights down. Come up on another person on the trail. Put your mask up. Cover your face and nose. Yeah. Um, and then also, too, especially if you're in Colorado, um, one of the biggest things that I think people aren't doing here is that, like, don't go into the high country. Like, you know, it's like, oh, the mountains will be safe in the mountains. But we have a lot of vulnerable populations in the high country. Unless yeah. you're already there. The point Unless is... You're but, like, but that's your home. <laughs> right. Because we've had some really intense outbreaks in the high country. And a lot of people don't think about mountain people and the uh, socioeconomic class aspects of it and access in general. Right. Some urban isolationism. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. But just be mindful of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as a reminder, at least here in Colorado, we are under what's called a safer at home order. Yeah. By the governor, which includes, like, yeah, there there's a soft reopening, but that doesn't mean all bets are off, right? We're still recommended to only travel within 10 miles to recreate. And that means just pretty much don't go if you don't have to. Yeah, and especially since, like, I have a person who still has to go to work, and he works in an, an environment that's vulnerable since he works at CSU. <laughs> There's people who who are stuck in vulnerable situations who are being very mindful and very careful. And so follow suit. <laughs> right. And this is, this is the whole world. And everybody's listen to the science, listen to the research. And for better or worse, even if your government isn't taking it seriously, whichever politicians you're choosing to listen to and follow, maybe take a step back and evaluate the big picture. And hopefully we can help guide you to do some of your own research. That's the big, big polls of the Crypto Science Society has always been like, hey, 
if you don't like what we're saying, uh, if you disagree, you know, do do some research and see what's there. Another thing, uh, a point that we wanted to make was that, yeah, we're living in kind of a dystopia, right? And dystopia realities may look different to different groups throughout the world. And this is really nothing, this necessarily isn't entirely new to people in other parts of the world. And, you know, it's not to diminish anything that we're experiencing here. Uh, because it is stressful and it is weird, it is bizarre and surreal, and it's also not going to be going away anytime soon. Like this is there is a new normal. And we have a big opportunity to make something better out of this. Absolutely, right. So, with that in mind, there's a lot of feelings. There's a long, lot of strong feelings about what's happening and how it's affecting us. And even though Heather couldn't be with us to record today she, we've been having a lot of conversations over this time and talking about kind of the psychic impact of what's happening right and i don't even feel like one has to be incredibly empathic or energetically sensitive to notice that things are weird things <laughs> are funky right i mean unless you're com- a complete shill <laughs> or like a sh- shell of a human being and don't notice anything or you know you're just blocking everything out it's weird right like especially when it first first all went down you go out and there's a tension in the air right i could feel it increasing and decreasing in intensity there's a lot of fear and just weird funkiness you know what i mean yeah i agree and that kind of goes back to when we think of like paranormal imprinting or like when we like ghost phenomenon in terms of like an echo that's left behind, it's kind of happening on mass right now. And so like certain stores you go on to that there's like an intelligent emotion now and you can kind of tell, or I don't know, driving is not pleasant. (laughs) I think people are kind of getting out a lot of their like fear and aggression on the road. I live up North. In Colorado and so I have like a really lovely trail next to me um, next to a river and so the other thing that's kind of nice is like that's the only place people have anymore mm-hmm. and so there's like a level of you can kind of feel people breathe you can kind of feel that energy of, of people getting outside and so there's some of that too like the imprinting is has been really an interesting sort of thing yeah energy wise I feel like being cooped up and kind of finding things near your place and just being in that area, right? I feel like things have settled down quite a bit, though. But also, I mean, I feel like things have settled down with that really initial, really funky, tense, like, ugly kind of feelings. However, now there seems to be some kind of, uh, I don't I don't know what you'd call it. it. It was like there was a lull, and now it's like, pulling I think you know what you're saying though and maybe like this will help with the thoughts is one thing that I find really fascinating is the concept of sound and how sound impacts matter like we yeah. have a lot of studies about it and now everything's been really quiet and so it's strange and it's weird and it's tense but there's less jets in the air so there's less noise that way there's less people moving about there's less cars on the road things like that and so as we were all kind of staying home there's this almost settled sort of quiet 
Yeah. And now that it's kind of, and then the frenetic energy, all of a sudden people going out and hanging out, it just ramps up. So socialization is really different. Sure. Yes. Also, (laughs) there seems to be this surge of anger and frustration with people mostly kind of coming from the right that look like they're just, you're not going to tell me what to do, you know, freedom to endanger everybody around me and refusal to wear the masks coming out and like shooting people when they're told to wear a mask or asked to wear a mask and randomly ramping up this really aggressive you can't tell me what to do kind of thing and that plays really in especially right now the the conspiracy theory especially in the last i feel like 50 years of distrusting the government and like a lot of the paranormal sort Mm -hmm. of that happened around that like, I think it's really, it's really feeding into this. Like, I think people are really scared and that's part of happening. People are really afraid of government control. Right. Um, and then also just like not knowing how not to live without capitalism in many ways, because we're kind of being forced out of this capitalistic paradigm. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're living in a time where things are radically shifting in a moment. Right. And how do you psychologically handle or deal with that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and if you're not, that's an interesting point, because there are other parts of the world that are treating things differently, right? I I haven't been hearing of a lot of anti-government protests from countries that are less dependent on capitalism, right? There seems to be kind of a, a particularly unique blend going on here in this country. And if you're not, you know, if all of your media is coming from a kind of very controlled echo chamber. It's easy to not be exposed to kind of different views and different ways of doing things. So that also brings up this kind of question, as we mentioned before, of this, uh, the psychoreactive phenomenon, right? Which is always a thing. It's been rattling in my mind quite a bit lately. And this idea that it was... On one of the other podcasts I listened to, they were talking about how uh, the observational element of an event has an effect, right? So like the Harvard study where they used random number generators and they did studies where people would be focusing on a a particular thought uh, or idea and tried to see whether or not it affected the random number generators. Mm -hmm. Well, and they determined like right after 9-11 hit, random number generators started putting out specific patterns, right? And there was another thing. It was the, uh, I forget his name, former prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau's dad. He was beloved prime minister. And when his funeral happened, they did a test in Canada to determine like a comparative if the random number generators in Canada would have a different outcome from the random number generators in the U.S., right, across this border where Americans don't care about the prime minister, so they're not invested in the the funeral. And so is their consciousness, is their attention affecting those that result? And it appeared to uh, have a correlation. So what what is going on now under this pandemic? And, you know, what does that even mean, right? Yeah. Also, just to kind of go back real quick, I think it should be constitutionally illegal. If your parent was a prime minister, you should like not be qualified. Why? 
Because I feel like it sets up a weird dynastic precedent. All right. So now we're telling Canada how to do their... How to... I don't think Bush... I think the same thing about the U.S. I think parents should... That's, then I could play into some of my weird conspiracy theories about... Well, Come right out, like, I think the Obama girls are going to grow up to be badass presidents. Just saying. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think they should, though, because their dad was, I know, but that's just like, but I why? think. Why? What <laughs> grounds? That That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other, <laughs> whole other thing, but like, if we're going to go. Thing. Whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. I'm just saying, like, it sets a dynastic precedent. Interesting. All right. Well. Then it's just like royalty by proxy. Yeah, it's not always a bad thing. <laughs> um, so in terms of number generators, kind of like what a benevolent dictator might be a better way to go. Wow. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. Is it? Yeah. Benevolent dictatorship. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, we're getting way off track. Yeah, and right. I'm going to take a note of an editing note there. Okay, so y- you have a note in here about a spike in demonic violence and the that effect actually, of idol and consciousness. That is actually uh, Heather's point. Oh, that's Heather's point. Yeah. Do you think it's talking about demonic violence or domestic violence? I think it's probably domestic violence. I would assume... No, I think that's definitely more of her her point, I think, in terms of... All right, let's skip over that then. Yeah. Okay, going on to... While we're on the topic of psychological influences and a certain degree of psychological warfare and a way to talk about different approaches and different governmental ideas culturally, I thought it was pretty interesting that Indonesia was deploying ghosts to frighten people into staying at home. This idea they had people dressing up as ghosts. Oh, it was like, like wow. So it's like... To, yeah, right? Um, That's interesting. Right. And of course, Indonesia, they might have a different idea of ghosts and spirits in that way. And the idea was that they're probably like more of an old school kind of superstition approach. I don't mean a superstition I mean, a cultural. Well, like a collective story. A collective story. Yes. So that this idea that uh, seeing a ghost would impact a person into wanting to stay home, whether that is to influence them like, hey, if you go out, you might die. Right. Mm -hmm. Like warning sign. Or also an idea of personifying the virus in a way to help drive it home. Like this is real and this is something to be cautious of and mindful of, right? Unfortunately, it seems like it had kind of the opposite effect though, because it had a lot of people coming out and wanting to take pictures and selfies with the ghosts. That's interesting. Uh, In terms of kind of like the blend of the mystic in a lot of different cultures with science is, an intriguing thing a lot of times the way people relate to reality and different things like that are, are, are varied and so that's like an important note mm-hmm. it's interesting the different ways where everyone's reacting yeah we've been out of the game too long so we're like our flow is way off. yeah it's okay we're just this is just practice well it's not practice we can we can collaborate together yeah 
Right. There's also just a crap ton to, to be said. Cause like in terms of a lot going on and because of the pandemic, I think that there has been like really interesting releases of like disclosure things and people mm-hmm. popping up. And so it's creating a really intense chaotic environment in a really hard realm in order to disentangle like conspiracy and fact and science and experiences and then also too it's just we're in a powder keg ripe for like cult leaders and new religions Mm. and so you're also seeing a lot of that pop up in a very radical way yeah there's definitely going to be some interesting implications and like i think things are going to pop up that we just can't even predict but your point of other things going on behind the scenes kind of thing is really a good good thing to look at right well the news is just dominated with pandemic stuff there's some other kind of interesting things in case you missed it <laughs> in case you missed it there's all these things and then also pay attention to what's happening in the supreme court right now people <laughs> right pay attention to the supreme court like yeah there's there's a lot of stuff trying to get pushed through but also as far as ufos are concerned it's been kind of hot <laughs> ufos have been i don't know why i don't know what's going on but like right now just before the stay-at-home orders were issued colorado had kind of an anomalous drone invasion i don't want to go too deep into it but <laughs> we had for a few weeks straight there was this mysterious fleet of drones that were flying over uh, on the front range kind of Denver area between Colorado Springs and Fort Collins area. Nobody knew where they were. Nobody knew who's operating them. So normally there's there's a specific radio frequency that drones operate under. So if they're being remotely piloted, you can kind of hack in and tap into the, the frequency they're using and help to track it down. Nobody could do that. The FAA weighed in on it. The police departments were weighing in. Uh, nobody could find out who these drones were being operated by and why they were there. They came and went and disappeared, right? And it's still just up in the air mystery. So that's interesting. It's also important, I think it's it's interesting to note that there's been a surge in UFO sightings. In April specifically, MUFON reported 770 sightings that were submitted to MUFON, which is a mutual UFO network, for the U.S. So... Comparing that to the average of about three to 400 sightings per month in the U.S., that's quite a spike. Yeah, which I think in terms of things like this, uh, I feel like it is psychoreactive in some ways sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Because especially like when people are paranoid or worried or scared and stuff, we always look for something outside of us, you know? Right. And I think aliens is something that a lot of us like look to. Either for comfort or fear or life can't be random, so it must be these other things. But then also, too, there's also some really fascinating, legitimate, odd sightings, too. That's like, what does this mean? Right. And so, so it's really fascinating. And then also the disclosures that yeah. are occurring. You mean the Pentagon UFO videos? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty interesting, too. And I think it's kind of interesting that they're doing it now. Right? Like, why now of all times? (laughs) Well, I think there's many reasons for that. I think it comes down to, I feel like the conspiracy, we always have this kind of agreement. The conspiracy comes down to human competence a lot of times. Right. 
by the way, like, which reminds me is like, I keep thinking about the JFK assassination thing that uh, left podcast. And I thought it was like, it, it was mind blowing to me because I kind of think about that in a lot of other scenarios and situations. And I think a lot of times like releasing the Pentagon UFO videos. Yes. It's like really interesting information, but I also think it's like, Hey, please look at this right now. Yeah. <laughs> it, like here, like, here you go. Like fuels, like, a certain kind of mythology. Uh-huh. So you're thinking that it's kind of like dropping it as a distraction from the pandemic debacle. Not just the pandemic debacle, but for a lot of different reasons. Like I do think that there are some smart people kind of taking advantage of situations. Like I think that the pandemic is a really good spot of vulnerability to do certain things. Like it, it's an opportunity. Sure. Shit done either for good or bad, right? Right. And so like, I think it's also like, well, we've been meaning to like disclose this because we have certain laws that tell us about disclosure. So like, oh, we'll just. So a lot of people don't know about it, and then you have other people who like glom onto it really hardcore, and then we're forgetting about, hey, the Supreme Court is making a decision on DACA soon, kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that that can be really dangerous and interesting, but also what it also does too is that it fuels a lot of like conspiracy theories have who for years have been thinking like FEMA camps mm -hmm. and calling the herd and, mm -hmm. you know, like totalitarian government. And so it's fueling all these things that so many people have been thinking for decades mm -hmm. in terms of conspiracy theories in our government, that it's also like this thing of like, okay, like in terms of our propaganda machine, dropping that as well, it's like distracting people on this side and this side. Sure, sure. Being like a, but again, that that raises the question of like either the the hyper competent, well oiled machine, the propaganda machine, the military industrial complex, as if like everything's homogenous and efficient and targeted, right? Right. Well, I think it could be targeted without being efficient. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. I mean, look yes. at like how Russia in, uh, interfered with our election and how elegant they've been able to do certain things. Yes, fair. That's looking at kind of one element of right. kind of their intelligence apparatus, right? Whereas it seems uh, kind of similarly, and this is kind of like the insider view from what we've been able to glean from, uh, say, Lou Elizondo, John Alexander, Nick Pope, the folks who have, like, worked on the inside for government right. UFO and paranormal programs. And in this case in particular with the Pentagon UFO, specifically the UFO videos, what they officially released as official, like, this is basically the rubber stamp of approval that mm -hmm. says... These two videos, the Tic Tac video from the Nimitz incident in 2004, and then the Gimbal video that was in Virginia. It took, a, I forget the, the, the battle group or the ships involved with that one. But these are basically two Navy FLIR videos taken by fighter pilots. Gimbal was 2017, and the Tic Tac was 2004. It's pretty profound in that these pilots highly competent, intelligent trained observers engaged with these objects, documented them on their on their FLIR videos, and the Pentagon acknowledged that these are real 
and that they are unidentified, right? And that anything, because an unidentified flying object has, uh, it doesn't necessarily always mean aliens. Right. It doesn't mean aliens, but it also kind of perplexes us because, you know, these are trained observers and intelligence analysts who have determined that this is not something identifiable, right? This is something that moves beyond any known capabilities of any technology or intelligence that we are aware of, mm -hmm. right? So yes, of course it is easy to jump to that conclusion of aliens, right? And honestly, I personally lean that direction, right? If we apply Occam's yeah. razor to it. <laughs> you can make Occam's razor for everything. Right, right. I shave, I shave with Occam's razor. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's I think that's really fascinating. And, and and you know, and so certain things like when it feels so coincidental, it just plays into people's minds. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I I get caught up in it too. Like I always have like I give myself like certain like now what I've had to do cuz I'm a gullible motherfucker. Is to give myself 30 minutes. Well, I guess maybe not so much anymore. I give myself 30 minutes to be like what's the craziest most outlandish story and I I don't mean crazy lightly, but like story i could possibly think of in terms of my Let incredible mind run wild just go with it <laughs> go with it and then i'm like okay take a breath let's go back <laughs> like let's look at the facts like where does it lead to are there journal articles related to it have people studied it and then and then usually come somewhere in the middle right <laughs> yeah but what's interesting is the middle's still freaking weird <laughs> right yeah <laughs> well and i think it's important to point out for our listeners too you know People throw Occam's razor around quite a bit, right? This idea—it's it, not a math—it's not a mathematical concept. It's not a purely scientific concept. It's kind of just like a, a thought exercise right. that indicates, like, okay, probably the most, the simplest explanation, is probably the right one, right? Mm -hmm. And what is really weird to me, like, it boggles my mind. I love Michio Kaku. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. I love Bill Nye. I love all these science mind people. But when it comes to UFOs, they like to do logical gymnastics, like, to try to discount it, right? Like, and and I, I would be surprised if any of those guys actually sat down and recognized, looked into it any deeper than just like, oh, it's a video, and that could be anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Tyson just put up, uh, posted something about it being... You know, all the color color photos, you know, everybody's got a cell phone camera and the best we can come up with is a, a shaky FLIR video. But these are Top Gun pilots. This is... Well, and also, we have to think about... You, know? you could use that same logic to say that we didn't land on the moon because we couldn't see stars in the background. We have to think about the environment in which we're taking those photos, in which we're filming, on what device, at what time... Sometimes I think because we're so highly technical, like highly technologically advanced in many ways, mm -hmm. it gives us more more of a precedent to be like that's a hoax or that's a that's a thing or that can't exist or this isn't legitimate, without taking the time to really deconstruct what that technology is actually doing. Yeah, there's a lot of hoaxes you can do a lot with technology. It's really fascinating, but technology also can pick up some really interesting anomalies that we just throw out the window because it doesn't fit. Right. In terms of like, like, okay, but that, 
that outlier, that anomaly is still interesting. Like, do we want to get lost in the weeds with it necessarily? Right. Maybe not. But taking a note of it and be like, okay, like I'm the first one to be like pretty really critical of kind of the way I think since I do go off the rail sometimes. But then I was just like, okay, but that's still a weird piece of evidence. I don't know what it is. I know what it's not. But like the, well, I don't know what it is part is still right. an intriguing piece of the equation. Exactly. Right. And I'll even give Michu Kaku credit because he used to say, I don't know, I haven't heard him speak on it recently specifically, but he was like, you do that, you do that kind of hypothetical mathematical exercise of even if we'll, we'll just even look at that seven, 770 reported UFO sightings from MUFON over April. Let's say out of those, let's say that 10% of them are not easily identifiable objects, right? Mm-hmm. And we rule out that comes down to, let's say, seven of them, right? Seven or eight. Seven or eight of those 700 sightings are legitimately anomalous, unidentifiable. We have no idea what they could be, right? right. <clears throat> Even if one of them was like any one of those, you know, 10% is really fascinating and creates a, a massive implications, right? Like they have really profound implications. If even one of those is legitimately anomalous. And mm-hmm. here we have a really well-documented, verifiable, evidence-based situation where multiple trained witnesses, multiple radar targets... Clear videos, you know, documented, verifiable evidence, and goes going all the way up to the DOD, going, you know, the Department of the Navy has reassessed their protocols for porting UFOs for pilots, right? So this isn't like a, a laugh factor. They're taking it seriously enough that like whatever it is that's operating in the skies with them is recognizable as something that needs to be taken seriously, and that. They're allowing high-ranking pilots and officers <coughs> to speak publicly on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like Commander Fravor is not just some nobody, lowly ensign or lieutenant. He was the wing commander, and he's retired as a colonel. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a commander. Okay. The commander in the Navy is um, like a lieutenant colonel in the Army. That's pretty lofty position, and to have the official sanction of the DOD to speak publicly on this event, right? Yeah, it happened 10 years ago, right? That's a pretty big deal. And it's not something to be scoffed at. Another interesting thing about that video, that set of videos too, is that it was already publicly released and sanctioned two years ago. (laughs) I'll go talk about my deep dive conspiracy comment sections in, in a bit, but I, I, that's an interesting point you made, which I'll bring up later. Yeah. I would recommend everybody. My cousin Alejandro did kind of a deep dive panel discussion with a few experts on the topic and kind of broke down the why now kind of thing and why it was released and how it was released and stuff. It goes a lot of in the To the Stars Academy and Tom DeLonge and all that. But it's a really interesting topic, and I really recommend people get deeper into it. Yeah, I totally agree. I'll say stuff later with the conspiracy stuff. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too deep, you know, too off the rails with UFO stuff, because we've got rails to jump off of with the conspiracy stuff, too. <laughs> yeah. 
and I kind of want to talk about a little bit because you mentioned FEMA. Um, yeah. And there is some legit shady stuff going on with FEMA. Uh, right. And that's where, like, the thing, and I'm interrupting again. Um, I, I, side note, edit note. I don't, I don't mean to, I'm like trying to figure out a good way of just like making sure I say things and you say things. So I apologize. Just if do, I'm it. Getting... do it. Yeah. Cause I think that that's like the other thing that really plays into is like, you know, our government is doing really shitty stuff. It's like right in front of our faces, proving it in terms of certain things going on. Like look at the detention camps, look at a lot of like things that we do to our, our own people. And then you look at like our organizations are corrupt. They're like funneling money in different ways. And so there's like legitimately some shit going on with these mm-hmm. different organizations. But is it all of this over here? It's kind of like it's more in the middle. Like you can have both without it being all of a sudden we're going to be in FEMA camps. <laughs> <laughs> and you can be cautious and critical of the government right. without being racist and anti-Semitic. Right. Exactly. There you go. Unfortunately, not everybody gets that. No, yeah, and that's, I think, the biggest reason I think I'm the most critical about conspiracy theories is that it creates this, like, really strange white supremacist narrative. Right. But, you know, do you know what the real conspiracy is? Is like, like, the Tuskegee Airmen, Henrietta Lacks, like, the fact that we, like, the experimentations that have happened on, like, people of color that we discount. But we yes. take that out of the conspiracy narrative because it doesn't fit a white supremacist narrative uh-huh. of supremacy. And so, and so that's kind of like what really frustrates me. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on, but it's also not exactly what you think is going on. Yes. Yes. Right. And, I, and to be fair, like, I don't know exactly all the things that are going on. I just think that like, it's important not to discount certain information just because it doesn't fit into your conspiracy theory. Right. Right. For example, like I was just blown away to hear about FEMA and the feds taking taking confiscating ventilators and test kits yeah and there's this whole thing about like governors state governors having to get underground shipments of ventilators and test kits and hiding it from fema so that they wouldn't get it confiscated wouldn't get it taken yeah because our government's just taking our shit like see that's where it's like that's where it's like where we get a little like off the rails right because that is happening i'm like holy crap why is this happening what is going on with this it's this like bizarre what it comes to is I feel like it's a combination of sweeping things under the rug to cover right. up competence, but also this like adversarial kind of thing that's kind of developed between the states and the Fed, which is bizarre. And I've never really seen it like this in my lifetime. So I need to talk about that actually in terms of like state government versus federal. Because mm-hmm. there's been like a big divide and I think it's almost like is it the right word? Like war of optics or like war of philosophy is that like we've been fighting for a long time in terms of different camps, right? Like it's like states rights versus federal rights. And so there's like this big weird tug of war between the two. And then now it's kind of being this weird sort of paradox. I think paradox would be the right word. Paradoxes. Is that like we keep saying like it's all about states rights. And then we're seeing that like the federal government really is important oversight. But then it's being used as like this narrative of like, no, state rights have to do this. But then the federal government is fucking up a lot of states in terms of access to a lot of prepared equipment for the coronavirus. It's all like place of ego, right? Like arrogance, ignorance and arrogance, right? Yeah. 
so like what's really happening and what I think is going to happen in terms of like what I'm projecting in my weird brain is that it's really going to become dependent on geographical location in terms of your local and state governments mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of what we're doing because we're really not getting help in a federal way. No. And not all the states are the same, right? Like every state, every locality, every municipality is going to be impacted differently and is going to be affected differently and has different means and methods in order to combat it. And if I was in a leadership role, I would be delegating as much as possible because I know that you know your own stuff better than anybody. So take care of it. And if you need help, I'm going to be there to support you with what you need. So tell me what you need. I'm not going to tell you what I want you to do and what I think you need. Yeah, but at the same time, I think the federal government is like a great checks and balance. Because when do you have the the mayor of Las Vegas being completely irrational? Yes. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the luck of the draw, right? You get a good one or you don't. (laughs) Well, and that's, and that's the thing that's like in terms of access, like in terms of masks and ventilators and things like that, it's like right now that's just a necessity. And so right. from a federalist perspective or like a federal government, that's an oversight that they should be figuring out how to happen. States shouldn't be battling each other and being outbid by the federal government for things that are going to save lives on like a very mass level. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But. It's also kind of this matter of how did a medical issue, how did a scientific medical issue become so partisan, right? Like if you're, it's it's just mind boggling to me. And I will will say on like a a smaller scale though, especially in sort of the community I operate in, I am seeing less of that Mm -hmm. than what I'm seeing on like the global scale. So it gives me some hope, like there's people who feel very differently to me politically, but this does seem to be a point that we can agree on. Right. That is hopeful to me. The sad thing is that the reason I think a lot of that happens is because like the loss of like the connection to the loss of life. Yeah. And also too, in some ways, like when it comes to like more bodies are vulnerable than others, but the coronavirus doesn't really discriminate. Right. Right. Erased borders. Right. But it is. It's really fascinating that like it's being used as such an intense political platform to divide. Right. But we all can agree. Well, not necessarily, but one would hope we can all agree that the loss of thousands of individuals. Right. You would think so. Right. But that's only if if it impacts you directly. Right. It appears to be that there is a certain mentality that only regards it if it impacts them directly. Right. And if it doesn't, they can't see it. Their leaders are not taking it seriously. Therefore, they are not taking it seriously and feel that their liberties are being infringed upon by being asked to be responsible. Right. In, in case the listeners aren't aware by now that I just feel like I need to throw this out there. Like I, I'm an unaffiliated voter and I've never been registered with a political party. Uh, but my sympathies are squarely on the left. <laughs> and I believe in science. I worship nature. And I feel that it's really important to listen to the experts on all of this and really dig into all the research. And that's what we've been doing 
you know, with a lot of these theories and unfortunately really politically charged topics that we're talking about today. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to throw out there. And I always kind of want to make sure that we're taking into consideration how sexism and ableism and racism is really playing a big role in all of these components and how like being really mindful of that and kind of like our positions just like geographically and certain privileges we have just because of our access. Right. Um, and it's interesting too, because I think that ties a lot of conspiracy theories together. A lot of times I think we're all kind of paranoid about being controlled, taken advantage of. And then I think the thing to be mindful of is like, if we're all afraid of that, then don't like pass the buck. Right. You know? Right. I'm trying to articulate that. In well, a better I think it's, I think that's a good point. And I think that kind of segues nicely into, let's talk about some feelings and sentiments towards China, because this is where, this is where it all started. As far mm-hmm. as, right? And there's a lot of rumors and stuff flying around about, where, where it really came from, right? Was this an engineered virus developed as a bioweapon by China? Or was it an engineered virus by the FBI or the CIA to uh, to go against Trump for not having a, a pandemic policy or something like that? I've heard some yeah. wild, crazy stuff. So, yeah, especially in terms of, like, why would <laughs> one of the most influential global powers... Boy, their like- own economy. Yeah, like, especially if we think of capitalistic capitalism and the machine it's working on, this doesn't suit anyone. People don't want to shut things down. It doesn't suit the purpose of capitalism. No, it doesn't help anybody. And I think that goes to the fact that, like, it's really hard, I think, for humans to think that, like, life is just chaotic Mm -hmm. and random in many ways. We've been impacting our environment to such a degree that, like, we're going into different environments, it's also like pandemics are part of human existence in many ways. Right. Like, let's go back to the Spanish flu. Let's go back to like, the, like cholera, malaria, like Ebola. That's a good point. A good point to point out the, the Spanish flu specifically. And for those who don't know, if you haven't been keeping up, the Spanish flu was a global pandemic that hit in 1918. Right. And it had a similar flu-like symptoms it affected lungs uh, some interesting similarities to the coronavirus but do you know why it's called the spanish flu why because they were one of the few countries that acknowledged it first right yeah the whole rest of the world was distracted with like world war one winding down they were kind of sitting it out and they were dealing with this flu that wasn't just confined to spain Uh, had a global effect but because they were some of the first people to regard it it ended up being pinned on them Mm kind of like with what's going on with china in a way it's it is possible that there were cases outside of china outside of wuhan before but it's probably most likely as far as all of the research that has been done it, it appears that there was legitimately some origins there in wuhan and I'd like to deep dive into that a little deeper, if uh, you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Come in with me. <laughs> so first of all, uh, I'd like to hit on the point of whether or not it could have been engineered in a lab, right? You know, like, I'm not going to discount the 
possibility. I think that they're, you know, from we're studying viruses all the time. Like, like I said, my roommate, it works in a place where they're studying typhoid. So he has to be really careful about certain things. Like we're doing things in many ways to understand how viruses work, how they spread, how they work, how to vaccinate them. But I don't think that that's what happened. Like, I don't think, I think that's like the least logical sure. conclusion because I think it fits the whole idea of that really competent, well thought out secret organization yeah, right. thing. Yeah, yeah, that that hyper competent, the the well oiled machine that we know uh, <laughs> is running the world. But actually, there's some science. I found an article uh, from LifeScience.com that talks about kind of breaks it down as to really why it's very unlikely that it was not developed right first of all viruses are kind of difficult to engineer right and as far as bio warfare it's a lot easier to take an existing virus and contain it maybe do some things to it to make it a little more kind of delivery methods to make it a little more more effective however in the case with the coronavirus and this is one of the weird things that makes it so deadly and dangerous is because when the models when they first started they designed some computer models about the spread and indicated that this virus is not following the normal models right if we're not able to model it accurately as it exists it's very unlikely that someone would have been uh, yes someone would have had had the uh, foresight and knowledge in order to be able to model it in such a way that we can't model it now, if that makes sense. Right. Real quick, I want to correct something. It's yes. tuberculosis, not typhoid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> typhoid has, which tuberculosis was another plague. I totally agree. And there's been several articles and studies that have come out, have like studied that and have been looking into it. Could the concept of the incompetence of like the spread and just not noticing it or seeing it fast enough? play into it sure like could we have contained it a little bit better with a little bit more oversight sure definitely (laughs) now that said here's my favorite i found some really interesting stuff actually savannah also savannah i gotta credit savannah for this one we found a story i think it's the new york times fact checker talking about how there's some really interesting parallels that exist between the the food market where it's alleged to have started to spread and these medical labs that were pretty much across the street Mm -hmm. right that were built to contain and study coronaviruses right so for everybody listening if you haven't been fully spun up on so COVID-19 is a type of coronavirus, mm-hmm. which is the same category as the SARS and the avian flu types of viruses. When those outbreaks occurred, the Chinese government decided it would be a good idea to create research facilities dedicated to studying those types of viruses in order to prevent the spread of similar viruses in the future. Now, both of these laboratories had been under scrutiny and criticism over the past few years about lax safety and security protocols. Mm -hmm. And 
all of a sudden, now we have this pandemic erupting out of a region that's within like five, ten miles. And this is where things get kind of shady, where the government is very quickly pinning the source on like some kind of exotic animals being sold at this food market, mm-hmm. shutting it down. When we have these research facilities pretty much across the street from this food market. So it seems plausible, at least, that considering all of the information that something might have escaped from one of these labs Mm -hmm. and because of the proximity it was easy to pin it on the food market and then kind of do that save face and contain dean that's like where i think if you were thinking conspiracy theory that would be more logical yeah it's just you know it's a whoopsie like i think a lot of our existence are whoopsies more than anything right right but then again there's another element of that like probably you know because there's no evidence to support that specifically most of the scientists are pointing towards it probably just came out of nature but mm-hmm. it is suspicious to say the least that was a factor right mm-hmm. yeah now we have to address this other thing uh, when we're talking about conspiracies is the crazy stuff with uh in california with the guy running the train off the rails to attack the yeah, u.s we'll talk, we talk about cults <laughs> yeah right uh, we could talk all night so basically I know. real quick this dude his name was edward moreno he's a 44 year old train engineer from san pedro california under the influence of QAnon. You should explain what QAnon is real quick, because this is going to be the biggest group that's going to be impacting a lot of stuff. Apparently, a lot of yeah, our conspiracy talk is going to be, unfortunately, focusing <sighs> heavily on QAnon. Basically, they're a group of... It's it's kind of a weird... It's almost like it's like a Twitter movement. Like As far as I understand, it started on Twitter, started on uh, kind of Twitter and like 4chan, mm-hmm. and kind of these... You might even put incels. I think there's probably a lot of like incel QAnon crossovers, but there's weird hippie people that like like they're anti-vaxxers who like don't do some stuff. Yeah, right. Weird stuff. Anyway, basically, it's this group. It's an internet following where a group of individuals are claiming that there's this massive satanic and albeit they're when they say satan they say satanism they are meaning the devil th- no no they're using satanism as a code for anti-semitism basically oh, that right? part i didn't know yeah 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 that that's where oh, it gets fine. right Why do all of our conspiracy theories involve being racist Unfortunately, it's one of those weird things. I use David Icke as an example, right? Like, I firmly believe that David Icke is convinced that reptilian shape-shifting aliens, interdimensional beings, are controlling the world. I firmly believe that David Icke genuinely believes that. His followers, however, 
seem to uh, have latched on to that as a code for Jews. Right. And there's like that problem of like the original source being twisted for. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of weird conflicting, like within the QAnon material, we'll say. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of bizarre kind of conflicting back and forth, basically all kinds of weird, crazy stuff. But in order to keep up, <laughs> like the one consistent thing with QAnon is that they view Trump to be some kind of messiah that is there to save the world from the satanic overlords of the world, right? Kind of one world order kind of stuff. So apparently this guy was under the influence of QAnon and saw his opportunity to run his train off of the rails and destroy the USNS Mercy, which is a hospital ship that was parked mm -hmm. in the port of Los Angeles in order to help provide support, hospital beds for people that were being treated for coronavirus. Some things came up, a lot of questions as to whether or not it was actually there to help for coronavirus. Apparently, this individual thought that it was there to help launch the zombie apocalypse, apparently, mm -hmm. right? And this was all kind of being fed by QAnon. He is uh, being charged in a criminal complaint with one federal count of train wrecking. I'll let that sink in for a minute. There's a law on the books. <laughs> That's about to be that funny. A federal law on the books called train wrecking, which is pretty, wow. pretty awesome, I think. And I'm glad that it still exists. And he faces a 20-year sentence in federal prison, according to the USDA's office, with no bail. No chance for bail. He was supposed to be arraigned on May 6th, but I haven't been able to catch any, any updates on that. But I'm definitely interested in keeping well abreast of that information as it develops. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really important discerning about a lot of that kind of thinking popping up. It really being discerning about how a lot of your psychopaths and cult leader mentalities are popping up and taking advantage of this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to call a person out <laughs> with our leanings. So well, we don't necessarily need to be specific because... Right. So there's certain people that Jason and I have interacted with that have always have some really good, legitimate, interesting information, but they sprinkle it a lot what with a lot of cult leaders do and they have like really intense followers that oh unless you're talking about Stephen Greer yeah yeah we we can call him right out <laughs> okay well a couple of things there's like that pandemic there's like a viral video that came out by an anti-vaxxer I haven't watched it because it kind of refused to give that any clicks or likes spreading out like really intense misinformation so you have a lot of your anti-vaxxing community which I almost kind of feel like it's becoming very cult-like Mm -hmm. in the way it propels propaganda and misinformation and also has like these really strange intersections that both people, I would say conservative and less leftist thinking and like hippies and religious people, <laughs> like they, they kind of cover the whole gambit of that really odd intersection. Because I kind of went into like a weird well, deep like, dive. Cults can come in so many different shapes and forms, right? right? And you can look at it like 
cult mentality or like terrorist organization or religious organization or political organization, there are some blurry lines there. Yeah. So when I was kind of reading all this, I kind of went into some like really strange deep dives about like comments and things like that. Or even like to go back about this information came out two years ago. Why are people suddenly finding it? That's been happening a lot recently, um, which I find fascinating. Like TED Talks that came out like two years ago are suddenly circulating again, you know. And so there's like people are thinking that's a conspiracy. Maybe who knows? It's just algorithms. Following the way our podcast works and stuff. Like it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So like the algorithms of different things. But anyway, like but Stephen Greer is like back. I honestly think he's kind of dangerous. He's very well, charismatic. Yeah, yep. he's, and he's legitimately been under investigation, right? Yeah, he's he does have interesting information. He is part of like the disclosure stuff, and so it's like one of those weird situations where like you sprinkle in this really interesting truth, but you kind of like twist it in order to have a following. And his stuff is appealing and sexy to a lot of people in terms of like using this as an opportunity for enlightenment, and the aliens are going to come and save us. And oh, oh. That just makes me shudder. Using sexy and Stephen Greer in the same sentences. I know, but that's what cult leader, there's always a sexual component to it, right? Yeah, no, true. I mean, he's got, he's so full of himself. I'm pretty sure in his talks, you know, he peppers in how much he can bench press. Right. And so when I say sexy, it's just sort of like that sexy thing. And I mean it more like in like an ephemeral sort of way. But there um, are I, people, I know. Right. There's this level of like, it's really appealing to that psychology of being saved. Right. Um, so I, and it's really important to kind of look at like, we have Jim Jones types of cult leaders who's really yeah. entrenched in sort right. of like a more traditional religious sense. But then you have like these new age faux woke. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, faux woke, I like that. Faux like woke that. Kind, of, kind of mentality that's also doing some of the, the same sort of shady business. And so what well, I would say is scared and worried in terms of like panic and being irrational is just seeing these things pop up. Yeah. Right. And before we, uh, I think it's important just in case not everybody listening uh, knows who Stephen Greer is, we should probably put something out about that. Explain it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Stephen Greer is the leader of a group called C-SETI which is like, I forget, contact for extraterrestrial life, some kind of thing. Their their whole bit is non-confrontational, kind of like hippy-dippy um, meditation-based contact of extraterrestrial intelligences. They have these retreats, and everybody pays. They drop their money, pay to go on this retreat with him and his group, and go through these meditations to contact extraterrestrials. There's a lot of weird, kind of sketchy uh, money going to weird places, kind of questioning like him and his ethics and kind of stuff like that. He also launched the Disclosure Project, which was an effort to collect military and government witnesses to go on the record and present their experiences before Congress, which got a lot of attention too, so he's... He's playing on the nuts and bolts documentation kind of crowd. Yeah, and Uh, then he's also kind of like trying to lend himself credibility because he is a doctor. Yeah, he is a country doctor. He's an MD. And that title gives him credit in a lot of people's eyes because of course, like, yeah, I mean, he's a doctor. He knows, right? 
which kind of goes back to our things like trust your experts, but then here's an, like an expert that you have to be careful with. Be a little skeptical on. Yeah. And he uses that. And he, like, if you look at his videos and you look at his material, it sounds like he gets you hooked by saying, like, this sounds really logical. This sounds grounded. This is solid. And then he gets into the deeper side of things. And it's almost kind of like a messiah way, too, because obviously, like, you can't do this on your own you have to come through him to do it right and it does like the people that are following do have uh, i'm sorry to say it if if you're a c-seti member you know there are there are definitely some cult like aspects of the way that 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 group operates so be careful yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's a moment of be caution. Like, I think there's a lot of great benefits to meditation and global meditation. Like, I'm the one who's always seeing psychoreactive phenomenon, right? So if right. that's something that I, like, really put my weight behind, like, I do think that there's some sort of legitimacy to global consciousness, global meditation, working together in a certain sort of way. But it's also got to be careful who's using you. Yeah, Absolutely. And I feel like you don't need Stephen Greer to do the C-SETI protocols. You can meditate. And if you want to try to contact extraterrestrials by psychically, by meditation, then by all means, give it a shot. But be careful who you ask for. <laughs> I think we, we should talk briefly about the 5G thing, even though it's completely ridiculous. I'd like to throw it out there and just dispel it right out because there's a lot well, of that lying around. 5G is basically a radio signal. There is no evidence to indicate that radio signals of the usable frequency for communication has any health concerns other than if you're standing next to an HF antenna, you're going to get cooked, but <laughs> it's not going to trigger a virus. Right. Right. That is the most bizarre one of them all in my opinion i just feel it's just weird yeah it is i mean uh, see, like radio fun. signals and like again that whole like systematic kind of concept mm. of maybe like having impact on the way we think about something or a subject but not a virus mm-hmm. right and maybe there might be other psychological implications with that as well. And that would be kind of interesting to dive into. But 5G did not create a virus. Just say that right now. As is usually the case, we could go all night with this. But I think we have we've kind of hit our time quota for this episode. Yeah, I agree. So, I think um, we can chunk into two. Yeah, let's give the people something to look forward to with our COVID cryptid corner. Yeah, and I also would love, like, make sure that Heather's here, too, because I think a lot of the things that she researched and looked up would be really cool to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And let that conversation happen, and I'll I'll stop with my cults and my conspiracies. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So with that, we've got a couple of pluggables. Do you have anything to plug? I've just found so much inspiration for it. I know it's, like, already a popular podcast, but definitely check out, what is it, Last Podcast on the Left? Yeah. I think that they have, like, a, a really lovely blend of, like, oh, my gosh, let's think about this uh, and go off the road a little bit, but then also, like, really heavy research, and I feel it's really yeah. well-balanced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, they've got some great stuff. Especially the JFK one. Like, it blows my mind. The way it's framed and set up, I, I think it's just a very helpful piece. 
mm-hmm. terms of kind of contributing to it. And it's allowed me to kind of think about our podcast in certain ways. I really like what we talk about mm-hmm. and like what we offer. But I think they're just, I just think it's a really good, a really good podcast. So it's, so I'd plug that. Mm-hmm. I would also plug donate. Like if you have the means, please donate to who you can in terms of like people who are really working hard. Like my biggest thing is like if you can Zerk, um, which helps with like immigration and the detention camps, donate to them, donate to your local food pantry mm. and then check in on your family and your community and see what they need. Get to know your neighbors. Mm. Um, just, Good. yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. I was just going to talk about shout out to the Pingos at Werewolf Radar, Jordan, Roger and Nate. Check out their podcast. If you like us, you will like them. And they also make good company for cemetery slumber parties. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty solid stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they take a much more comedic approach, right? Their their format is more more kind of comedy. But they know their stuff. And they put some good information out there. So, So check them out. Also, just a little mini celebration for us is... CSS podcast is now on Pandora. Yay, that's awesome. So if you're listening to Pandora, you can check us out over there. And pretty much we're on every platform that I can think of besides iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) But you can get, if you're listening on Apple devices, you can get the podcast on CastBox. Also, real quick little one, I was interviewed for a book about underground kind of regarding our our investigations in the Tivoli and the catacombs underneath the Tivoli and it was a book focusing on underground mining towns Colorado where we're going to move the Tivoli for years aren't we yeah oh yeah we'll never live yeah the the Tivoli is kind of a legacy for us but that's cool I'm I'm sorry I'm not sure when that's going to be coming out but it keep an eye out for it we'll keep you posted and let you know I don't know if you did this on the last podcast, but did you talk about the paper that you got published? No, because it's not really relevant to crypto science. Yeah, but it's still astro astronomy stuff. Yeah, it's pretty lights in the sky. <laughs> so, like, yeah, uh, archaeoastronomy. I published a paper on uh, basically Mesoamerican calendar, computer modeling, and polar star precession. All that stuff fits because you use that a lot in your paranormal research. So sure. go get it. Sure. It's a piece. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for celebrating all the little things. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Podcast was written and produced by the Crypto Science Society and its members. The theme music is Dead Bats on a Wire by Savannah Rivka and Ashley Eve. Graphic design by Eddie Nori and Heather Metcalf. If you like what we do, please consider donating to our Venmo by following the link on our homepage, which is sciencecryptojournal.wordpress.com. You can also find the blog, our source reports, all kinds of exciting stuff about our investigations and everything we do. More information about the podcast there. So go check it out. Let us know what you think in the comments. Or email us at CryptoScienceSocietyX at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials. That's the Twits, the Grams, Facebooks, YouTubes. You know how it works. Like, subscribe, share. And until next time, 
keep questioning. Nice. Thank you.